Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Dory with you along with Mark Fiorentino. Mark, if you can explain to us in layman's terms the unified field theory. Yeah, uh, basically it's this. Electromagnetism and gravity emerge as aspects of a single fundamental field. So now let me explain what that sentence means. Okay. Basically. The single fundamental field was thought to be, back in the day, 1905 and before, a thing called the ether. So outer space was also called the ether. And, and what's the ether? The ether in that time uh, was correctly identified by Lorenz and Einstein and others as a substance, a quasi-elastic solid. So what I'm saying is that outer space is a real thing of substance, a quasi meaning that if you stretch it, when you remove the force that stretches it, it snaps back into shape. Elastic means it can be stretched, twisted, and so forth, uh, deformed in uh, several different ways. And a solid, and the, this is very important, a solid means not like an impenetrable hard object, but something that is continuous. There is no parts to the ether. It's mm-hmm. not, not a particle field. It's a continuous object. So basically, electromagnetism and gravity are aspects are different. What I found, what I discovered, I de- deconstructed electromagnetism back into its primary fields of force, which is the electrostatic field, the Coulomb force, and magnetism and then gravity. They, these three things are deformations of the fundamental field, the ether field, what I discovered and what Einstein and others believed in that time. So I re-picked up on that path and followed it through to the end. So the electrostatic field is the primary, primary field of nature. It's a twist of space. And when that twist of space, that electrostatic field moves, Within the ether, within space, since it's a twist, it rotates, and as it moves and rotates through space, the space around that particle rotates. That's the magnetic field. So by the time James Clerk Maxwell finished uh, discovering all of that, along with Michael Faraday, they had two-thirds of the the, uh, unified field theory worked out. All that was left to do was join gravity, find the cause of gravity as being something that was caused by the electromagnetic field or uh, electrons and, and other charged particles. Their motion, as it turns out, causes the gravitational field. So that's basically what the unified field theory that Einstein was working on up to the last, very last day of his life. And uh, I just worked out the details and made the mechanical discovery, or I explained the mechanics of how moving unbalanced fundamental charge, when it moves in an accelerated manner, causes space to contract in and around the particle. And that is what causes mass and the gravitational field. Did Einstein say that nothing could go faster than the speed of light? Yeah, um, yeah, and people have had problems with that, uh, including myself. Uh, yes, in the special relativity, that, that comes out that, that, that uh, the speed of light is a constant and nothing can go faster than that unless 
you do what I say in the book, which is another one of the discoveries in the book, which I call the slip wave. Uh, when you create the slip wave, which is the same technology I believe the UFOs use, uh, most of them anyway, um, you can break the light speed barrier. But you have to do that by biasing space. So you have to use a spatial bias drive, which is what aliens, I'm sure, use. Or the, 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 well, what, is, what, the is more, a, what is a spatial bias drive? Uh, it, it, it affects space. It bends. It, it biases space in such a way that allows you to go faster than the speed of light. Ah. And I dug back through history to find out what causes, uh, why is the speed of light that number? And that's something that James Clerk Maxwell worked on. And what he discovered was this equation, which I think is one of the most important equations in history, which basically is C, which is the speed of light, is equal to 1 over the square root of permittivity times permeability. Permittivity and permeability are properties of space, which then suggest, since space has physical properties having to do with the electrostatic field permittivity and the magnetic field permeability. Uh, these act as sort of impedances to the motion of those fields. So that's what's limiting them. So we have a certain amount of those two things, the uh, measurable quantities that are in space way out in the middle of nowhere. It still has permittivity and permeability. And since they they are also you know constants, uh, as far as we know, um, uh, that's what limits the speed of light. And um, James Clerk Maxwell discovered that. But you have to buy a space, and when you do that, when you change it physically by bending it a certain way using high intensity magnetic fields, you reduce permittivity and permeability. And when you do that. You change the speed of light. And we know that that actually works because there are scientists right now that I've read about on ResearchGate who work with metamaterials. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. Mm -hmm. The name is left-handed material. And they've made fractal lenses and things of that nature, which basically when you shine light in this material, since they constructed it in such a way as to allow the permittivity and permeability within that material to be reduced, light supposedly shines infinitely fast because they reduce permittivity and permeability to zero. Does this include so, does this include and explain time travel? Time travel is done with a um, actually with metamaterials creating fractal lenses. There's a chapter in my book where I discuss that at the very end of the book. And uh, I sort of rig up one uh, uh, using some of the research I did. In order to do time travel, you have to realize that all of time is happening in the same moment. And we live in time segments that are running in parallel. So we were all born in this particular time segment. If we want to jump to another one, basically building a stargate, which creates a portal opening. If you want to do that, in order for that to happen, you have to buy a space using a stargate, which basically uh, accelerates the particles, usually photons, within the framework to such a high degree 
that you cause space to vibrate at extremely high frequencies. And when you do this, it's like tuning a radio. You adjust the frequency and you can pick a different a location or time even. That's the theory behind it. And um, that's how you would travel to, through time. And that's the only way it can be possible. Time, all of it, has to be happening at the same moment. Will we get to that point, moment. Mark, do you think, where we'll really be able to do this? Well, uh, in my book I discuss, um, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the Philadelphia Experiment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, yeah, the first accidental discovery of, of uh, Stargate technology, basically. Then Montauk followed that. And in both of those cases, they use magnetic resonant fields. Again, magnetism comes into play. And uh, when you do that, you can tune the space, you bias it in a certain way, and then you can open a portal. Unfortunately, the magnetic technique is not as powerful as the newer technique that I, I worked on in my book that I was able to get information on to do the research, which I will talk about in the next book, how I got that information, how it guided me to the technology that actually exists. I believe they, that we probably have this. Have I seen it? No. <laughs> uh, but I suspect uh, that we do have this technology and it is possible. Uh, and I really didn't like it, especially traveling back in time. I'm really very much against that. Uh, but well, I believe it is. Why? Yeah. I just don't think we should mess with things that have already happened. Ah, well, and, well, and people uh, will, too. You know that. People yeah, for, for who knows whatever reasons they might have. Uh, it could lead to things like star um, time wars, corruption of the timeline. Very hard to predict what things could go wrong, because a little change in the past can, uh, you know, the butterfly effect can become a massive effect somewhere in the future. Uh, so, yeah, I'm against toying with that that thing. It just shouldn't be done. Do you think the government but, has anti-gravity technology today? Yes, yes. I, I have talked to people who have seen, they're afraid to come out, and I'm not going to name them or anything like that, oh, but I'm convinced they were legitimate people who have, uh, had an eyewitness close-up uh, account with a UFO that had our markings on it, basically saying United States Air Force experimental. They were that close to it that they could read that. And um, so I would say at this point, it's, you know, with all the sightings over Area 51 and so forth, that we probably have had this technology since uh, Roswell, uh, and we reverse engineer it, and who knows how many other maybe we've met or have been contacted. And there's so many stories you you know of them of where sure. we have contacted. And Eisenhower has talked to uh, the you, aliens. Do you believe that? Agreements. You think that happened? I strongly suspect it's happened, but again, you know. It's you hear a story and you just gotta evaluate it. Does it sound sensible, reasonable? Uh, is it possible? Certainly, yeah, it's possible. I believe probably has happened. But do I have personal direct information that it has? No. But 
I'm very interested in learning about that, and I keep a watchful eye on all of those stories and information, especially how UFOs work. Remember the transporter in Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. Is that kind of technology ever conceivable? Beam me up, Scotty, that kind of thing? Yes and no. Yes, in that the Stargate technology is that technology. Uh, No, in that uh, the way they did it on Star Trek would take all the computing power on the entire planet and uh, more to basically disassemble all of your particles in your body and reassemble, radio them somehow to some other location and reassemble them uh, in, in, you know, a facsimile of form, basically, to some other location. It's not efficient. It's not likely, even with the most advanced species uh, who have developed high-tech technology millions of years ahead of us, to do it that way. What they would do is simply open a portal uh, at one location inside of a building or whatever using the Stargate technology, tune it, have another portal built somewhere else or whatever, and then you walk through one and you walk out the other one. And that's most likely the way that kind of uh, uh, transporter technology would work. How far away is it, do you think, in terms of technology? How far away? I would think that... I'm going to guess we probably already have it. Really? Yep. Wow. Well, now I'm basing that partially on some interviews with some very credible people who claim that we do. Uh, And I've gotten information from other sources as well. It's going to be in the next book. And then uh, I investigated how it could be built and what would have to be done in order to build it. And we do have the metamaterial technology is what's needed in order to build the Stargate. Because in order to make it work, something has to go faster in the speed of light. And that technology, that metamaterial technology, is capable of accelerating photons beyond the speed of light. And when they come out of the framework, they create an electromagnetic shock wave that opens the portal. So all you have to do as a physicist, if you're running that organization or that that particular project, is learn how to tune the space, the right frequency to get the desired effect or the portal opening. That's the way I believe it works, and I would love to see it in action. I don't know if I'll ever live to get to see that, because, of course, that kind of technology is going to be highly classified, uh, along with anti-gravity and faster-than-light travel technology. These things are classified for very good reasons. They give us a strategic military advantage. If we ever use it. What if we never use it? (laughs) We still have the advantage if we have to use it, which I doubt that we would do that unless our backs were to the wall, because I don't think they really want to expose that we have this. It's, you know, keeping the secret has been something that the, I believe the U.S. government has been very, very good at uh, through a process of disinformation and so forth. We're all running around trying to figure out who's got what and who's doing what and who knows what's for sure. You know, we're all still scratching our heads about all of this. But, um, you know, I have a belief that we, we certainly 
have that technology uh, that we could build a Stargate, a, a, a marvelous thing that could get us to Mars in an instant if we want, but we can also use the slipwave technology, which is uh, and a very exciting technology that I've developed and a discovery that I made from studying particles and how they move, which is vitally important to know if you're going to make a theory of everything. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.